In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear brothers and seminarians, dear faithful, sometimes in the spiritual life we feel like a rock. Rocks, as we all know, are inanimate. They don't move. No matter what you do or say to a rock, it's not going to do anything back, even if it's your pet rock. Rocks just sit there. And so likewise for us, it often seems in the spiritual life so hard for us to stimulate any manner of spiritual movement in our soul. We feel so dry, we feel so heavy, it's almost like our soul is encased in concrete. It can't move. And it's really, I think, at those moments that we realize that we cannot do anything of ourselves in the spiritual life. This is indicated in the sequence of today's Mass. Sine tuo numine, nihil est in omine. Without you willing it, there's nothing in man. Man has nothing without the movement of God. We are not able to fly up to heaven and walk into the courtyard of God. We are not able to lift up from this earth by our own power, as our Lord did on the day of His ascension. If anything is going to happen in us or to us in the spiritual life, it has to be God who makes it happen. It's got to be God who moves us from our inanimate state, our normal state as human beings. God has to make the first movement. God has to be there in the midst of the spiritual activity. And God must remain there until the spiritual activity ceases. And in a sense, the distance between uh, us and a rock is, is greater than the distance uh, excuse me, is smaller than the distance between us and God. In other words, the gap that we're trying to bridge in our spiritual life is the gap between the creature and the creator. Whereas the gap between a rock and a human being is a finite gap, the gap between the, the creature and the creator is an infinite gap. To bridge that, you need God to lift man up above his nature, to make him into something new, as it were. And this is really where the Holy Ghost comes in. As you know, the Holy Ghost is the third person of the Blessed Trinity. And what the Church does, following the language of Scripture, is the Church appropriates to the Holy Ghost the movements of God that take place on the interior of our souls. Scripture speaks to us of the inspirations of the Holy Ghost or the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And these are these supernatural impulses that arise in our souls by the movement of God. God, having all power, can touch your intellect, your will, and your passions. And he moves them towards supernatural things. He elevates them above their normal nature, and he moves them towards supernatural things. It's these impulses that set our soul in motion on the supernatural plane. 
And as I say, there's something common to all of these impulses or graces, and that is that they are invisible. You cannot see these movements. None of us can see God working in our souls. This is why St. Thomas distinguishes the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ from the mission of the Holy Ghost. In Scripture, if you read the New Testament carefully, you will always hear our Lord speaking about Him being sent and the Holy Ghost being sent. In other words, our Lord has a mission. Missio means uh, being sent. And the Holy Ghost has a mission. Both of them are being sent onto this earth in order to help mankind, in order to raise mankind up above this natural level and make mankind able to reach its goal of heaven. So, St. Thomas says, the mission of our Lord is a visible mission, and the mission of the Holy Ghost is an invisible mission. Because our Lord has become incarnate. He united himself substantially with a created human nature. And as such, we were able to see God with our own eyes, at least those who are privileged with um, seeing him when he walked on this earth. He died on the cross to redeem us, something visible. He was buried, something visible. He rose again on the third day, something visible. And then he rose up to heaven on the 40th day. All these things can be seen with the bodily eyes. Because of the fact that our Lord substantially united himself to this created human nature. But the Holy Ghost comes after our Lord uh, leaves. He comes on the 50th day, which is today the, the Feast of Pentecost. And you see in the word Pentecost, you see Pentes is, is five. So it's, even in the word itself, you have this hint of the fact that this is the 50th day. But the Holy Ghost does not have a visible mission. He has an invisible mission. He's not sent to redeem mankind. He's sent to sanctify mankind. He's not to work on the minds and hearts of men by speaking to them in the flesh. He's to work on their minds and hearts by speaking to them in the spirit, beyond what can be seen by the visible eye. And from this, we can understand why, um, on this birthday of, of the Catholic Church, why the Holy Ghost is referred to as the soul of the church, or sometimes also as the heart of the church. Prince Leo XIII, in his encyclical on the Holy Ghost, Divinum Illot, he calls the Holy Ghost the soul of the church. We know that our souls in our hearts are invisible, um, but their influence is absolutely necessary for us to live. And it's the same with the Holy Ghost. He has this invisible mission, so he works in us, and his influence in the church is absolutely necessary for the members of the church to live this supernatural life, but you don't see him working. We don't call Our Lady the soul of the church, and we don't call Our Lady the heart of the church. Because she's visible. She's, she's also got a visible mission. Uh, we can call her the mother of the church, but we don't call her the heart of the church or the soul of the church. So, our Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We are the body of the church. And the Holy Ghost 
is the soul of the church. Our souls penetrate every single part of our body. And this is, this is why Leo uh, XIII makes this comparison with the Holy Ghost. Our soul is invisible and it penetrates every single part of our body. My soul is 100% present in my index finger. It's 100% present in my head. It's 100% present in every single part of my body. Similarly, the Holy Ghost is present in all the parts of the church, exercising His influence. Even with people who are in the state of mortal sin, the Holy Ghost is still trying to move them with His grace, to restore themselves to grace, to go to confession, to rectify their situation with God. Similarly, if we continue this metaphor, because we're speaking in the world of metaphors here, um, based on, as I say, the language of, of Scripture itself, similarly, our souls give us three things, life, unity, and being. And we may apply each of these three things to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives life to the body of the church by communicating grace and these influences to the members. We live in the supernatural order by grace. So if you're in the state of grace, your soul is living. If you're not in the state of grace, your soul is dead in the supernatural order. And when we have the state of grace, we say that we are temples of the Holy Ghost. We have the life of God dwelling within us. The Holy Ghost also unites the members of the church. So our soul unites the members of our body because the soul is 100% present in every member of our body. It's able to coordinate all the members of our body. Similarly, because the Holy Ghost is present in every aspect of the church, He's able to take all the members of the church and direct them towards the same end. He directs them towards building up the church and He directs them towards their goal, which is eternal salvation. So hopefully we're all moving towards that heavenly home. We're all uh, progressing towards the same place where we hope to be reunited for all eternity after this life is over. We can even say in a sense that the Holy Ghost gives being to the church in the sense that it was the Holy Ghost who overshadowed Our Lady on the day of the Annunciation and He caused her to conceive the head of the church. So Our Lady brought forth the head of the church by the influence of the Holy Ghost. And that was sort of the beginning of the being of the church, even though, properly speaking, today is the birthday of our church. So it was through Our Lady that um, the Holy Ghost brought forth the head of the church, and through her as well that He brings forth us, the members of the church. And in that sense, we can say the Holy Ghost gives being to the church itself. So, what the Scripture and the church, and even, we may say, the Holy Ghost Himself, emphasizes most about His influence is the question of activity. The question of taking that rock and making it start to roll, making it actually do things in the supernatural order. This is why, though the influence of the Holy Ghost is invisible, yet He likes to manifest the fact that He is present by certain signs. 
Today, on this Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost does not become incarnate. I mean, the Holy Ghost doesn't take flesh. So, so the, the things that are happening um, in this episode on the day of Pentecost uh, are not happening because the, the Holy Ghost has substantially united himself with a creature. That's not the mission of the Holy Ghost. He does not take flesh. He does not unite himself with a creature. Yet, he does make certain things happen which are symbols of his influence, of this invisible influence that he exercises upon us. You've just heard this recounting of this, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. The, the, the Gospels and the Acts are, are usually so sober in their narratives. But this narration of um, the day of Pentecost seems like a sensational event the way that it's related in the Acts of the Apostles. Let me just reread that passage of the Acts of the Apostles and listen to this language. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a violent wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them parted tongues as of fire, which settled upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in foreign tongues, even as the Holy Spirit prompted them. So this is something extremely striking. Um, This violent wind that people hear, and then you just have these flames of fire just coming, you know, and settling on on their heads, on the heads of, of everybody. Surely a very extraordinary sight. So those flames of fire were not the Holy Ghost. They were signs of what the Holy Ghost was doing in the apostles. So the Holy Ghost did not become uh, a flame of fire. Like we say that our Lord became man. The, the second person of the Trinity became man. The Holy Ghost did not become fire. But that fire was a symbol of the activity Fire is the most active element. So the activity of the Holy Ghost in these apostles. The Holy Ghost is like a strong wind that picks up the apostles above themselves. He's like that flame of fire that makes their hearts burn with love for God and zeal for the glory of God. That Pentecost Sunday, as we know, was to mark the apostles for the rest of their lives. They would convert 3,000 men On that day, 3,000 people noticed that extraordinary wind. They were overpowered by the fact that the apostles, under the influence of the Holy Ghost, were speaking all the languages that they knew. And this moved them to wish for baptism, to be converted by the sermon of St. Peter. And from that day, the apostles would then go forth to many nations and start the transformation of the world. In a sense, that flame that was enkindled in them on that day was never put out. It was that flame that spread throughout the entire world. The apostles fulfilling that mission that was given to them by our Lord, go and teach all nations, but which they were not ready to do until they had received that inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So, the flame and the wind of Pentecost Sunday are symbols that the Holy Ghost himself chose to indicate his influence. 
And the church herself makes use of other symbols. The fathers delight in making use of symbols uh, sort of based on this example of Scripture in order to indicate the influence that the Holy Ghost has upon us. So there are those two great hymns. You've just heard the, the Scola sing the Veni Sancti Spiritus, and there's also the beautiful Vespers hymn that we're all familiar with, the Veni Creator Spiritus. In that Veni Creator, one of the stanzas says, Quidiceres Paraclitus, Altissimum Donum Dei, Fons Vivus Inis Caritas, Et Spiritaris Unctio. So in that verse, you have six names for the Holy Ghost, six descriptions of the activity of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the paraclete, or the advocate. The Holy Ghost is the living fountain, a fountain of water. The Holy Ghost is the highest gift of God. Gift is one of the names that we give to the Holy Ghost, besides the Holy Ghost. He's fire, he's charity, and he's a spiritual anointing. He's like spiritual oil that is poured upon us. And all of these names, more or less, refer to that supernatural movement by which the Holy Ghost influences our souls. And as I say, he, he's able, because he's God, he's able to influence all the faculties of our soul, our intellect, our will, and our passions. If we take the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, we see that four of them refer to the Holy Ghost moving our intellect. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, in counsel, is the Holy Ghost assisting our intellect. Two of them refer to the Holy Ghost moving our will, and that would be fortitude and piety. And then the last gift of the Holy Ghost concerns the Holy Ghost influencing our passions, fear of the Lord, because fear is one of our passions. So because we are like rocks in regard to the supernatural order, in other words, we're nothing in the supernatural order, we have need of all of these influences of the Holy Ghost. And we have to want the Holy Ghost to move us. We have to want to be disposed for the movements of the Holy Ghost. Even though on Pentecost Sunday there was this vehement movement of the Holy Ghost, typically the movement of the Holy Ghost is a very, very, very gentle wind. It's not this vehement wind. Normally, it's a very subtle movement, and we have to be very sensitive in order to be disposed and ready to receive that movement of the Holy Ghost. So we have to have this ambition to put ourselves entirely under the influence. Those graces are there. Those movements are there. It's just most of the time we don't feel them. There's too much noise going on for us to realize that the Holy Ghost is actually trying to get us to do something. And so we have to cry out constantly, Come, Holy Ghost, in the words of that Veni Sancti Spiritus. Send forth the heavenly rays of your light. He's also compared to light. Bend what is stiff. Warm what is cold. Rule over what is wayward. We are the stiff ones. We are the cold ones. We are the wayward ones. We're like those rocks. That, that need that influence of the Holy Ghost. You know that rocks are not very receptive, but they are able to take water in a little bit. 
If you put water on a rock, it will get wet. And if you put light on a rock, it will warm up a little bit. So that's what we have to, to hope for. That's what we have to want is to, to be, uh, we may say, wetened, dampened by this influence of the Holy Ghost. We must want to be warmed. Sort of like Ayers Rock. You know, you think of Ayers Rock in the darkness before the sun comes up. It's just sitting there, nothing's happening. And then the sun comes up and warms the face of the rock. Or you see, sometimes you see those beautiful pictures of a few times it rains there in the desert. You're out in the desert, there's nothing for months, and then the rains come and the water is just coursing down the rock. This is what we must want for us. We must want the Holy Ghost to move our souls, to stimulate them towards heavenly things, to warm them with the love of God. And so whenever we pause in the day or kneel down to pray, we should um, really at least try, try to focus and, and want that spiritual influence to come upon us. Um, perhaps we feel like a rock. But if we are able to at least focus and, and call upon the Holy Ghost, that's already a huge accomplishment in our prayer. Let us certainly not forget to call upon Our Lady because she is the spouse of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost loves Our Lady so much that he doesn't want to do anything in the supernatural order without her. He chooses to do everything in souls through Our Lady as the mediatrix of graces. And she's someone who's a mere creature like us who's been lifted up through that influence of the Holy Ghost. She's, she made herself completely docile to the Holy Ghost at all times, from the beginning of her existence until the present day, the present moment, She's perfectly docile to the Holy Ghost. So she can obtain for us those graces of the Holy Ghost. Let us ask them of her and say, Come, Holy Ghost. Come, wind. Come, fire. Come, gift of God Most High. And kindle the hearts of thy faithful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.